Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you will renew the face of the earth. Lord, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful. In the same spirit, help us to relish what is right and always rejoice in your consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Although you may not know it from the temperature, summer is past. Fall is in the air somewhere. Tomorrow is All Hallows' Eve. In the Christian calendar, it's not a night of goblins and ghosts. It is a night of preparation for celebrating the lives of the saints, those who have kept the faith and have finished their course, enabling them, like St. Paul, to receive a crown. The day in the church year when we commemorate their lives is November the 1st. In the lesson from Isaiah 1, the prophet tells us that our sins shall be made white as snow. The pathway to sainthood starts with redemption and forgiveness of sin. The book of Isaiah begins with a call, not to the prophet, that's in Isaiah 6, but with these words, to all people. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The color of sin is red, which interestingly is also the color of blood. How do you cover red? You color red with red. In paint, red can be either transparent, like the color alizarin crimson, or it can be opaque, like the color cadmium red. In Christian theology, when you cover red with red, the finished product is white. <laughs> you weren't ready for that one. Right? Because in art, when we cover red with red, the finished product is red. Right? With Jesus, when you cover red with red, the finished product is white. Interestingly, even in painting, white is always opaque. So whatever you put it over, it covers it. Light doesn't shine through it. So, the prophet says in Isaiah 1, Though your skin sins be as scarlet, you will be made white. White, of course, is the color of purity. Our psalm for today is from Psalm 32. 
The psalmist prays, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Saints are people whose sins have been confessed and covered. But saints didn't start there. The gospel lesson from Luke 19 is a story about a wealthy little man whose name was Zacchaeus. Over the course of his life, Zacchaeus had accumulated a lot of wealth. We would look at him and we would think of him as being a great American. He had heard that Jesus would be passing through the region of Jericho. And Zacchaeus wanted to take advantage of this opportunity for him to see Jesus. He was only interested in being able to see Jesus. You see, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, despised and disenfranchised by the locals. He was also very short in stature. Inasmuch as Jesus' path would be lined with onlookers, admirers, and disciples, Zacchaeus would have to do something creative in order to see Jesus as he passed by. So he got the idea that the thing for him to do would be to climb up in a sycamore tree where he could look over the heads of the other onlookers and that he, could be, he would be able to see Jesus and have an unencumbered view of him. But he wasn't anticipating what had happened. When Jesus spied Zacchaeus in the tree, he immediately summoned him to come down and invited himself to Zacchaeus' house to hang out with him. Zacchaeus wasn't expecting that because no one wanted to hang out with Zacchaeus. The respected residents of the area were absolutely incensed that Jesus would choose to hang out with a man of such ill repute when there were other options available in this community. How dare he? Zacchaeus' life had been dedicated to the acquisition of money exclusively in whatever way he could get it. He was not beyond resorting to graft and corruption, if that's what it took. Whatever it took to amass as much wealth as he possibly could is what he was willing to do. And as the Savior walks by and spies Zacchaeus in the trade, that's the man he chooses to spend his day with. And the encounter with Jesus changed him. First, Zacchaeus obeyed the Lord and came down from the tree. Luke tells us that he received Jesus joyfully. As a consequence of the encounter, 
Zacchaeus told Jesus he was going to give half of all that he had to the poor. In addition, if he had exhorted money from anyone, he would repay it fourfold. When Jesus heard what Zacchaeus was committing himself to, he said to Zacchaeus, This day is salvation come to this house. For so much as he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. A lot of times we make the mistake of thinking of churches as shrines for, for saints as opposed to a hospital for sinners. Because you see, the world is not divided into saints and sinners. <laughs> okay? The saints are also the sinners. Zacchaeus' um, pathway to holiness did not begin with sainthood. His pathway to sainthood began with his encounter with the Christ. You see, with Jesus' absolution from sin, the scene closes with salvation coming to the household of this formerly despicable human being who has been redeemed and his redemption has changed him. That's the work that Jesus came to do. In Zacchaeus' case, his scarlet sins were covered by Jesus, who made him look white as snow. The way that we know that there is this transformation that occurred in Zacchaeus' life is the change in his behavior and in his attitude toward wealth. There is a pathway to sainthood. And it's a pathway that everyone in this room can be on. It starts with confession. Leads to forgiveness. And ultimately to redemption. Confession to forgiveness to redemption. That's the path. Each Sunday, our liturgy begins with an acclamation, blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be his kingdom now and forever. So our worship begins with an acclamation of who God is. Not only who God is out there, but who God is in here. And it's followed immediately by the collect for purity. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open. All desires known and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Every Holy Eucharist prayer begins with that collect for purity. And then after that is when we sing the Gloria and the praise songs. It's only after the thoughts of our hearts are cleansed that we can truly praise God. 
Later in our liturgy, we pray a corporate prayer of confession. We do it every Sunday. Every Sunday. In the 1990s, I began to do a study of liturgy, liturgy across Protestant denominations. And what I found was very disturbing. Because in the liturgy of many Protestant denominations, there was a conspicuous absence of prayers of confession. Right? I talked in the homily um, for West, uh, Deacon Wesley's ordination about how it took a psychiatrist back in the 1970s to write the book that raised the question, Whatever Became of Sin? Why is it that that book was written by a mental health professional and not by a clergy person within the church? Begs that question. After we make our prayer of confession, at the conclusion of the prayer, the priest offers an absolution. My favorite absolution is this one from Evening Prayer in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. When we get to the prayer of confession, you may wonder why the absolution that I use is not the one that's printed in the liturgy. Um, I, I do use that one, and I use that one at the daily offices. But I really like this one. The Almighty and Merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins. Pardon. True repentance. Are you ready for this one? Amendment of life and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Or consider this version of the absolution from Holy Eucharist 2 in the 1979 prayer book, which is the one that um, is printed in your liturgy. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Or consider this one from the Holy Communion service of the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who by his great mercy hath promised forgiveness of sins to all those who with hearty repentance and true faith turn unto him. Have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So that each Sunday in that prayer of confession, we have the opportunity to have yet another encounter with Jesus Christ to enable us to receive forgiveness for our sins. So that the red of his blood is placed over the red of our sins and we are made white as snow, pure as wool. Jesus does for you and me 
what he did for Zacchaeus. As you might imagine, the Pharisees didn't get it. They were bothered that Jesus consorted with sinners, and of course, they didn't number themselves among them. In their minds, they were above all that. In 2 Thessalonians, St. Paul admonishes the church to be patient in persecution. The persecutors will be dealt with when he shall come to be glorified in his saints. Then St. Paul tells the saints he is praying for them. And he says, Wherefore we pray always for you, that our God will count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So how does one become one of the saints? The first thing that we do is we confess our sin and we receive his pardon and forgiveness. That forgiveness becomes a springboard for amendment of life. And it becomes our entree into eternal life through the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. And then as Kierkegaard says, we as Christians will one thing. And the one thing that we will is the good. We will the good. And so our pathway to sainthood begins with confession and forgiveness and thereafter with our willing of the good so that our lives seek to reflect that which is holy and sacred in our Savior, Christ Jesus. And that is our pathway to holiness and to becoming one of the saints.